Welcome to the Recharge Your Life podcast with me, Dr. Carrie Ulrich and Kelly Gunther. We are thrilled to talk to people who have made a decision that recharged their lives. Often, they pushed themselves out of their comfort zone and took risks. We want to know about that decision point, why did they make that decision, and most importantly, how can we learn from them? Kelly and I are passionate HR professionals, and together we co-founded our HR consulting firm, Abracci Group. We have talked to amazing people throughout our careers and listened to them as they made decisions that changed their lives and knew that these inspirational stories would help others. And why did we call it Recharge? It's based on a book I co-authored called The Way of the HR Warrior. And in it, we have a leadership model, CHARGE, which stands for courage, humility, accuracy, resiliency, goal-oriented, and exemplary. We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions, and we want to learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories, and then do something to recharge your life. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It's Kelly. We're thrilled to have Florence Navarro as our very special guest. Florence has worked in Central Europe, Africa, and Asia for the United Nations and the World Bank Group, nonprofit organizations, and social enterprise incubators. Since 2007, she supported entrepreneurs around the world to launch and grow their companies in sectors including biodiversity, ed tech, water, and sanitation. She's been recognized for recruiting talent, growing teams, and mentoring the next generation of leaders. Her extensive global network and her genuine passion to match people's talents with organizations' purpose led her to start her own company, Kiche Cheo, meaning Catalyst in Swahili to help purpose-driven organizations reach the next level of success. Florence has a master's in management from the Stanford University Graduate School of Business and a master's in international relations from the Johns Hopkins University Paul H. Nitsky School of Advanced International Studies. Florence is French. She lives in in Washington, D.C. in an old renovated home with her husband and two adult daughters. She enjoys travel, hiking, yoga, and most of all, sharing homemade food and long conversations with family, friends, and friends of friends. So Florence, we always like to start our podcast by asking, what show, podcast, book, or blog do you go to when you want to push yourself and expand your thinking? Hi, Kelly and Carrie. Thank you, first of all, for having me on your podcast. I'm a big fan, so thank you. Um, so I, of course, I have more than one, like uh, quite a few of your guests. Um, and I, and when I was preparing for this, I was thinking, oh, there are basically three kinds of podcasts I'm, I'm listening to. So kind that um, really helps me think about life and get perspective about life in general. And for that, I, I love On Being by Krista Tippett. Um, it's, a, it's a very in-depth, hour-long conversation about, um, about life, spirituality, science, and, um, and it's, it's, it's really fascinating. It, it, uh, she has uh, pastors, she has poets, uh, she hosts, uh, I remember one when she hosted someone who was uh, had been listening for about 30 years, had been recording various uh, silence all around the world, places around the world, and you wouldn't believe what's in silence. So that definitely gives you a different perspective on life. Then there are podcasts um, that help me more, be more productive in my work, in my life. And those are The Hidden Brain. You probably heard about it. You, you might listen to it already. Uh, it might have been mentioned by some of your 
uh, guess, no? I can't remember that one, okay. but they're all, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so Hidden Brain by Shankar Vedantam. Um, it's- oh, Hidden Brain. I'm so yeah. sorry, Florence. Yes, yeah. it, oh, I listened I actually- to it. Love that one, love that one, love that one, love that one. Yeah, yeah, I figured. Uh, And I remember one in particular where he was talking about the power of embracing diversity on a team. And then there's The Accidental Creative by Todd Henry. So it's a a lot of uh, tidbits, like 30 minutes, basically, and sometimes he has guests and sometimes he summarizes books that he's read. And he gives a lot of hints um, and information uh, based on, again, on, on social science or behavioral science on uh, what works to be more productive. For example, um, uh, taking uh, breaks regularly or uh, doing devoting uh, a certain amount of time to deep work. Um, and of course, I'll share all of those uh, resources with you. And then there's the uh, HR and talent management. So in addition to yours about, you know, Richard, uh, there's a talk talent to me by Rob Stevenson. And uh, I recently heard someone called Claire Chandler, uh, who was very interesting. And she was talking about how she had... Um, been originally working for a while as a recruiter for startups. And then she realized that people recruit, put a lot of of, uh, effort in recruiting, but then they don't manage their people and they wonder why people leave them. And so she she decided, (laughs) I'm sure you're you're both chuckling at that. Uh, And this is my pet peeve, one of my pet peeves. Um, So yeah, Talk Talent to Me by Rob Stevenson. And then in terms of there's one book, The Strengths Finder, by Don Clifton. Um, I like the basic principle of the Strengths Finder, which is to say that if you um, if you allocate your energy in doing things that you're strong in, you will bring to the world your uniqueness, and you will and you will excel. You have a higher chance of excelling than if you try to compensate for your weaknesses. And um, so it's it's I like it as a theory of life, and I also like it because it it's a it's a very good tool, and I recommend it to all of my clients, uh, be it candidates or uh, or my customers and startups who or companies who build teams. I always recommend people to know their strengths and to know how to complement their strengths with other people's strengths. Thank you, Florence. First of all, welcome, Florence. So happy you're here. You have you have a life that I uh, would love to have. So now you and I share our masters in interna- international relations, but I uh, appear to whore myself out for corporate. You went the right way and went into UN and traveled the world, and we're a true global citizen. So thank you for that. You appreciate that. And but I love all the categories of your podcast and thinking about your life and that self-reflection. And, but you also say, well, I got to have, be productive and I have to understand my industry. So I love that you have all those categories and bringing those together. What is the most fun podcast you listen to, Florence? Because you have a lot of like deep, you know, thinking about life, like it's all like not work related, but deep thoughts. Do you have like a silly fun one that you listen to or a book that you go to? Like, what do you do for silly fun? Florence. 
Huh, that's a good question. Uh, that's a trick <laughs> question. No, uh, not silly, but actually that really doesn't sound like fun, but it's really uh, interesting. It's uh, the, the first thing that comes to mind is, out, well, outside uh, the Survivor series. So that's really not funny, but it is fascinating, the outside magazine, to think of, uh, you know, people tell how they got out of life-threatening situations. So that's not on the fun oh. side, but that's different. <laughs> uh, that is different. Yeah, fun. Fun. Yes, I do listen to fun things. So I have to say, uh, when I when I cook sometimes, I listen to Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel. And uh, I, have, I, I love Jimmy Fallon. Uh, as a, you know, as a host, because he's super talented. Not only he makes fun of people, but uh, but he's very very talented, and uh, and he he, you know, he's willing to put himself out there and look silly, which I think is a great way to look at life. Yes, yes, and I and um, thank you for bringing up the Strengths Finder as well, because I think we all share. We Kelly and I met Florence last no yeah last year. Yeah, I can't remember right. the years anymore, mm-hmm. and and we all bonded over HR and talent mm-hmm. and managers, and I think that strengths and playing to your strengths and that unique that that's your unique. Uh, imprint that you can make on the world and trying to fix all those weaknesses. I mean, you got to manage them because you want to keep a job. And if, you know, if you don't like to be organized, well, you got to be somewhat organized to have a job, mm-hmm. but, but really what's going to flourish for you in your life is what is that unique characteristic and what are those strengths? So thank you for bringing that. I feel like we'd almost close the podcast right now, Florence, <laughs> because you have given people so much to think about already. But as you know, we asked the question, what is that decision that you made in your life that changed the trajectory? And what are the charge qualities that you use to help you make that decision? I thought you'd never ask. Um, <laughs> so again, when I, when I was thinking about this, I, I was thinking actually that there must have been at least three decisions already, and I'm not done with my life. So um, but I think the one I've, I'm going to focus on today is the decision to leave the United Nations in 2007. So let me uh, provide a bit of context, right? First, I have had a really satisfying, rewarding life uh, and career with the United Nations for about 15 years. I was, uh, as you mentioned, uh, I, I lived and worked in uh, in Poland uh, in the mid-90s, which was super uh, innovative, challenging, uh, people going through really interesting and difficult circumstances and the UN having to define its role. Then I was in Rwanda post-genocide, which was definitely life-changing. And then in Ethiopia, and then I wanted to see what life was like at headquarters. So I spent five, six years at headquarters managing teams in South and Eastern Africa. Uh, so I was managing remote teams, actually, come to think of it, uh, without Zoom, right? Because in the, in the exactly. late 90s, early 2000s, you didn't have Zoom. I don't know how we did back then. How did uh, we? I think it was just a phone, Florence. I yeah. don't know. We sent smoke signals. I don't know what we did, but yeah. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes you would uh, hop on a plane when you could and actually talk to people. Right. <laughs> Um, which, unfortunately, we cannot do right now, but hopefully we'll be able to do soon. Um, yeah, so that was very satisfying, um, but I was, uh, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot from my colleague. I, I managed multi, definitely multicultural teams. Um, 
I had, you know, I was required to have uh, management skills at an early age, which uh, I always remember around this colleague that I very dearly respect and who was, uh, who became a friend telling me, have you read the book? I don't remember the, the offer, but you know, the book about emotional intelligence. And I was like, oops, okay, I guess I need to read that one. <laughs> that was back then. Anyway, so, um, so this was very satisfying, but um, I, was, I was eager to know what life was like outside of the UN. I was eager to uh, have a family life, have an opportunity of having a family life. And to be honest, it's not that easy, especially uh, to about 20 years ago, 15 years ago, uh, for anyone to have a family life when you change countries every two or three years and even less for, for women, honestly. It's getting easier, but it's still, you know, it's still not optimal. So I wanted to give myself a chance to have a, a family life. And I didn't see how that could happen. And then professionally, I felt like I had, uh, I was a little bit maxed out. Not that I couldn't learn more by continuing with the UN. But I felt that next up is deputy resident representative. And then if I make it resident representative, and that's it, really. So I felt like I could learn a lot more by stepping out of the UN. And that's when I did a business degree at Stanford. I was very lucky. I was surrounded by people who worked in the private sector. And I realized, oh, people who work in the private sector are not all evil, so, uh, right. <laughs> I remember oh, I love I the UN and nonprofits my whole life. So, um, yeah, I redirect my thinking a little bit. Um, yes, you sure did, Florida. That, that was since you and I share the same degree. That's why I said, I, a corporate whore, I went to the evil side immediately. <laughs> and that's what our degrees, not that they taught us that. I don't want to slam the universities, but, but you know that those are the people we hung out with, which is like, I would never work for a for profit. So, you are surrounded by people who are not not very into uh, the for-profit world. Yes, it is a mind shift change for sure. Yeah, yeah. And then, so when I went to Stanford for a mid-career uh, graduate degree, it was it was one of the best years of my life. I mean, learning was amazing. Um, I learned from my colleagues as much as I learned from my professors. Stanford is really a hotbed of social entrepreneurship. I mean, I don't think I would have been happy in any business school, right? Uh, because some business schools are, are more, um, you know, traditional or at least where in 2006. Uh, but where I was, there was a lot of talks about entrepreneurship and social entrepreneurship, which is why I wanted to go to business school to see how I can use business to, to, to have a positive impact on the world. And so after my degree, here I was coming back potentially to the UN with, you know, a much better Rolodex, as, as you would say back then, uh, <laughs> a much better network, uh, you know, presumably a better manager. But the UN, um, you know, have so many candidates. They, they have the pick of the litter. They don't, they don't always take very good care of their personnel, to be honest, um, at least not back then. Um, and I couldn't find anything within the UN that was really catering to my desire to work more on innovation and, and private sector. So I took my bags, went to Washington, D.C., not knowing what I was going to do, um, and uh, and then I networked. Um, so here I have to say that, uh, you know, 
having a strong network definitely helps, right? And I am so, so aware of the privilege that I have to have had access to great education and have, uh, you know, be able to have access to great networks because it makes a huge difference in what you have access to in life. And so I am very, very dedicated to trying to expand my network and give access to my network to anyone of talent who, who wants to do something with their life. And that is a great commitment of mine. So, yeah, so, but, and, and I have to say that when I decided to uh, look for other things, um, I also, right, I took stock of what happened. I, I, I did have a career behind me already. I had some money uh, saved enough to buy a little apartment in Italy. So I knew that somewhere in the world I could always have a shelter uh, and a place to host family and friends. And, uh, and I also knew that I had a basic income for when I retired because I had stayed long enough in the UN. So that, uh, honestly was a cushion and that was a safety cushion that allowed me to, uh, to take, to, you know, to take some risks. So Florence, what, when you made that decision, was there kind of one event back in 2007 that you're just like, that's it? Or was it just kind of building because you're like, I want to do, because you talked about, I want to do more, you know, you were learning, but you kind of wanted to push yourself and, and do something different. Was there kind of one event or have you always been like that and just kind of, mm, I've been here long enough and I need to go do something else now? Um, it's a great question. And I think uh, it's a combination of both. Like, uh, I, as I said, when I was in the UN, I always felt like there's probably a world out there. And if I don't ever test the world out there, I'm not going to challenge myself enough. So there was definitely always a thought of like, I need to experience how life is being, you know, what's life like outside mm -hmm. of the UN. Because if you, if you make it within the UN, I didn't have a, a lifetime position, but I was as close as possible to that. You know, it's, it's kind of hard not to get a job once you've proven that you can do it. And so I felt like I wasn't being challenging myself enough. And also, um, philosophically, you know, the UN or international development in general, even today is a lot of coming with a bot of money and asking kindly the recipient government what you could possibly do with five or 10 or million or a hundred million dollars. Right. And you put all of those conditions in it. Um, and so I always, I very often saw our work as very supply driven and, uh, and not always empowering for the people we work with. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really want to be a part of that. And I also, uh, was seeing around me, especially in uh, country offices, people who had stayed on and seemed pretty embittered about their life. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't want to be like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's not no guarantee that you leave the UN and therefore you will not be embittered right. about their life. You know, <laughs> no guarantee. But, uh, <laughs> but I didn't, you know, I saw a few people who I felt maybe they had faced, or maybe I projected on them, but might have faced in the past an opportunity to step out and didn't. And now they were blaming the whole world for whatever they were going through. Mm -hmm. and I never wanted to do, be that person. Right. And we've talked about on the, the podcast before that, that stagnation and not mm -hmm. pushing 
pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's some great stuff. Like I know I eat the same lunch almost every day and I appreciate that that's consistency. Um, So I don't push myself too much, but then I push myself in other ways. And so that if you're not happy with it, then you're, you're right. You can't become that kind of bittered person that we all see in some corporations. And you think, I think you've been there too long. I think yeah. you've been here too long. What you, when I think about the charge qualities, when I listen to to what you said about, especially when the strong network, and you're like, I know I have this privilege. I know that I, I want to help others with this network, and and I'm dedicating myself to that. So to me, one of the qualities that you used was for sure humility, because mm-hmm. it, it just is a thread throughout what you do. I mean, international relations anyway, trying to help people in different countries. There's a there's a big part of humility in that. Mm-hmm. What other qualities do you use to make to help you make the decision to to step away from the UN? Thanks. So um, I think also the exemplary quality, like um, I think it's very important for me, both in my professional and uh, my family life to try to um, mimic or to try to uh, role model what I believe in, um, to, you know, to walk the walk and integrity is very important to everything I do. Um, you know, for if, if, if I'm going to ask my team to work hard on a particular project, then I'm going to want to be ab- available for them during that period. Or on the opposite, if I tell them, look, I believe that, you know, uh, there's a time to work and a time to relax. And, um, you know, I won't be, um, you know, I won't be asking you to be present after 6 p.m., but I'm not going to bombard my team, but with emails on weekends, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so that I think exemplary is important. And it's, uh, when I was looking back at, uh, at your book and at, at the, the qualities, I noticed that actually the ability to ask for help, mm-hmm. uh, was, I, I saw that both under exemplary and maybe under resiliency as well. There was a bit of an overlap, I feel. Mm-hmm. And, and that is definitely something that I feel. And also my husband and I try to really uh, model that in our life, although my husband is not always that good at asking for help, but, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but uh, we we really try to show you you cannot know everything. It's back to humility as well. You no one person knows everything, and no what no per, one person can do everything. And so, knowing when to push yourself and knowing when to ask for help is, uh, I think, is very important. And also, people love to help. It gives an opportunity to other people to help you, which is tremendous. You are so right about the help. First of all, it could be almost in every quality asking for help. It takes mm-hmm. courage to ask for help. It takes it could be everywhere. And I think what you said is it's it's hard. It's one of the hardest things that people do. And then Florence, you'll help me remember this. It might have been Hidden Brain where they had a discussion on helping and how people were so afraid yes. to help. Was that it? Mm-hmm. And then they found to your point people really do love to help. So even though they were asking these weird questions on, I think it's Subway, I can't remember all yeah. the details, yeah, yeah. That, right? And people were like, of course, I'll help you. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. And so people really do want to help you. And it's just our fear of I'm putting them out. I don't, people can say no if they can't yeah. do it. Um, but yeah, it's really, really important. I'm so glad you you brought that one up. What Florence action items 
would you, and advice you'd give to our listeners on making these decisions and kind of what are the top things that you learned and, and you're such a good coach and you want to help others. What, what advice would you give them? Um, interesting question. So I was thinking about that. And I was like, hmm, I think I came up with one action and maybe two attitudes. I think it for me, when I think of how you approach your life, it's, I think, more of mindset and attitudes than of action. But, you know, I'm willing to play the game. So I don't want to like rewrite the rule consistently. Uh, I'll say, okay, uh, let's do some actions. So I found an action, <laughs> which is trying things out. Um, and I found that especially when you do job search, um, a lot of us, you know, we try to, or, or whenever, you know, when we want to live in another country, when we want to take a jump, um, it's good to get information. It's good to see, you know, to think of, okay, what's my backup plan? What is, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? And then once you have those parameters, just jump. Because uh, you never know. You really do not know in advance what's going to happen. I remember when I was at the uh, International Finance Corporation for two years, I loved a lot of it. I worked with, you know, biodiversity, uh, conservation around the world, businesses, which were incredible. And I learned a lot. But my experience day to day was not as thrilling as I would have thought if when I read the website. Right. And so you don't know until you're there. So do your research, understand what's your comfort with how much and how little risk you're willing to take. But at some stage, um, you know, don't live with regret. Just do it and see what happens. A lot of us, I mean, we can fall back on our feet. I, I just, I was typing it as you spoke. Cause I'm like, do your research and don't live with regret. And I think what you said is we can get this paralysis analysis. I had a good mm -hmm. friend who, you know, she, for 20 years, it was like, I'm going to make that decision soon. I'm like, you're not going to, it's been 20 years. You're not going to make the decision. Um, she's like, I had to do some more research. No, you don't. No, you don't. It's 20 years. Uh, but I like, you get enough information, get enough, but then you're right. You never, like, I remember thinking and, and you, you're in recruiting and you know, those candidates who say, this is how narrow I am. I want to work for a company that has more than 5,000 people. I want to do this. I want to do that. And you become so narrow mm -hmm. that you, you don't know. There could be a great industry that you haven't tried that mm -hmm. could be like, just try it. It hits, it hits like three or four of your, the, the marks that you want, but not everything will be perfect. It's like house hunting. When it, we watch those house hunting shows, they never check all the boxes. And then sometimes they're pleasantly surprised that, that they, that they chose this different type of house. And so I just, I really appreciate what you said is do your research and don't live with regret on it. Do enough of it and try it, jump in because you'll regret it afterward. But Florence, did you have more? I didn't want to cut you off on it. I was so excited, no. Florence, for that one. <laughs> I have one more, but uh, okay, on, good. On, on that, I have to say, I realized when you were mentioning that and, you know, uh, uh, making me feel hurt for what I said, I realized that I, I learned that actually from my parents very early on. When I was 19, my dad was an engineer and he worked for the French Navy. I'm French. And... and um, and there was an opportunity for anyone, anyone in like thousands of people to, to um, go abroad on a scholarship. The whole world was open, right? And uh, my dad organized. We had a dog, so we needed to find a place where our dog could follow us. And we came to the UT Austin. 
when I was 19 and I didn't speak a word of English. And, um, and I remember distinctly um, friends of his, so colleagues who were in the same, uh, in the same environment who told him, you're so lucky to leave. He's like, mm. what do you mean? Oh, you don't like, we had a house, we had a mortgage. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was just out of high school. My sister was, was in her last year of high school. We had access to exactly the same like, things as his colleagues and his colleagues, you know, told, so it as we were lucky. No, we just took the jump. We did the research. My dad did a lot of research and we took the jump. So yeah, right. I was, I, I, uh, you know, I, 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 I was well encouraged. Yeah, no, I like because we do see it modeled from our parents, and sometimes you don't realize until so much later that that oh my god, it really did impact me. The people who are around you, I when I grew up, all the women in my life worked, all mm-hmm. of them. They were nurses, they worked in a bakery, they were executive, like every single female worked. So I don't even understand this concept of women networking, and because you're know, like I was just so raised, and it only took later that I looked back. I said, oh my goodness, and so you seeing your dad take that risk in your family, you're like, well, of course I can move around the world. What's the problem with that? Of course I can do that. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, you had one more though. See, okay, we're going to go on tangents. Okay. I'm going to keep us focused. So, <laughs> so don't take, I would say don't take things personally. Um, you know, everyone has their own story. And I think that is a bit, you know, that is close to, uh, there's a lot of talk about the importance of empathy. Um, everybody comes to work or to um, to the parking lot, to the grocery store with their own uh, load of trauma, of life experience, of having, you know, pain in your right foot that morning. Um, don't take things personally. Um, see and then respect the people and deal with the behavior. Yes, I, I really appreciate that. I try to remember that because you're right. You have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. And so how can you, especially now during, well, now it's not 2020 anymore, but <laughs> we're continuing of still, re, you know, remote work and you don't know what's happened behind you in the family life and someone's sick today. And so therefore it's upset the whole apple cart and you just don't know. And so I really appreciate that, that you said that I, before I turn it over to Kelly, I do have to say, merci beaucoup, Florence. Très bien. So I just had to like throw in the four words of French. I know Florence. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but <laughs> Kelly, I know you love to do your research. And so that what Florence was talking about the, the research, but then jump in, I'd love to get your, your opinion on the actions that Florence laid out, because I feel like she really spoke to you directly on mm-hmm. that one without trying to. Right. And I think what you shared so much on, on this episode, Florence, is the amount of self-awareness that you have. I mean, you're incredibly self-aware. And I would think that even early on in your life, you were because you re- recognized what you needed if you're going to leave the UN you wanted to secure shelter. You wanted to have a savings account. You wanted to be able to take care of yourself in the most basic sense of the word so that you could make a decision and feel comfortable with the decision. So I love the the second sort of leg of that stool where you said, understand your comfort with risk in that you don't have to love risk. You don't have to you know, want to be one of the people that's jumping out of an airplane or you know, doing something that could physically put you at risk. But you can still measure it out for yourself and say, okay, I've got, I've done some research. I have some data. I feel like I can go ahead and do this, even if I don't know every aspect of what will happen, because of course, none of us have crystal balls. Mm-hmm. So I love how you 
really summarize that for someone who is, and I feel like a lot of people are right now, looking to go in a different direction in life. Maybe it's making a move. Maybe it's changing a job. Um, and all of those things are, there's inherent risk in all of that. But to be able to break it down into a manageable process makes it seem less overwhelming, mm-hmm. which I think is where a lot of that comes from. So I love that message to, to our listeners. Nice. And I would say, you know, things are incremental. I mean, um, jump in, but um, expect that it's a journey. I was, uh, you know, in our conversation before this, I would say, I'm still on this journey. I started my company mm-hmm. two and a half years ago. It's not like, I'm like, okay, I'm now the CEO and founder of Kito Cheo. Hooray, got it all, uh, all worked out. No, you never do. Um, so, yeah, it's incremental. Yeah. Yeah. And to leave a job where you had almost, you know, you were almost at the you know point where there was a lifetime position. I mean, that could be a very comforting thing for a lot of people as, oh, you know what? I don't, you know, there's a recession. Uh, doesn't affect me. Um, but you took a risk, you took a gamble and you're doing well. And it just goes to show you that you, you know, when you have um, the insight, the fortitude, and you, you assume a level of risk that you're comfortable with, that, you know, you can make things happen for yourself. So I love that message. And um, you know, I love the idea of see and respect, you know, the behavior and then address it. Um, I think that's a great way for, for all of us to sort of live our lives with people that maybe think differently or act differently than we do. So mm-hmm. tremendous message. Thank you so much, Florence, for being on our podcast. And if you'd like to connect with Florence, feel free to do so on LinkedIn at Florence Navarro. And of course, all of her contact information will be in our show notes. Again, such a privilege and honor to speak with you, Florence, and thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you, Bob, for inviting me. I I really enjoy your podcast and the work you do and what you put out there in the world. So it's been a great privilege. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at abracigroup.com and follow us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Group. Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at Warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life. We can't wait to hear from you.